For the last few years, my next guest, Evangeline Sanders, was one of the directors of a pro-life pregnancy center in Southern California. Then the Lord moved her and her husband to Utah, where she continued directing the center remotely. Now she's the new executive director at the Pregnancy Resource Center of Salt Lake City, Utah. Super thankful for this life-affirming work. Evangeline uses her platform to encourage moms and dads to choose life for their children. And more valuable than that, she uses it to share the gospel, giving them the eternal perspective every parent needs. If you're in the Salt Lake Valley and need to connect with the Pregnancy Resource Center, you can find all the information you need at www.pregnancyresource.net. I'll leave the link in today's show notes. They have locations in Salt Lake and American Fork. This is Paula Eamon. You're listening to Cloud of Witnesses, Season 2, Episode 21, Abiding Faith in Chronic Pain. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Paula. <laughs> Evangeline and I met in, I believe it was May of 2022, and we met at um, a women's retreat, and I was invited by a, fr- a mutual friend that we have to a women's retreat that their church was hosting, Gospel Hope Church in Riverton, Utah, and it was, I did not know until like the day or two before that it was an overnight thing. I had no idea I was going to be staying in a hotel room with people I didn't know. <laughs> So at first Four I was women like, in one room. Yeah, <laughs> I know. At first I was like, I don't know if I want to go, which I love meeting new people. But anyway, so Evangeline and I were in the same room and became very fast friends. And so I'm just so thankful for her. Evangeline came to Saving Faith very early on, and she always remembers loving, trusting and knowing Jesus. Even still, she found it challenging to be a pastor's daughter during her teenage years because she became aware of the messiness of life. Despite this, she still strived to love the Lord. By God's grace, and partially because she loved and respected her father so much, she never left the church. During her late teens, she moved away from home. She really started grappling with the question, is this my faith or my family's faith? Her college years opened her eyes to see how lost and insecure people were, but because of her Christian foundation, she didn't struggle that way. She knew what life is about. She knew who she'd been created by and what she'd been created for. She came to a fuller realization of her sin and by default how much patience the Lord has and how much grace it took to cover her sins. She confirmed that Jesus is King and Savior and that He needed to be the Lord of her life. Evangeline, can you tell us a little bit about your background? First of all, where are you from? Yes, of course. Um, so. Long story short, I was born in India um, and at five years old, um, my family, uh, we we all moved to England and that's where I spent most of my, um, all of my schooling and went through both my degrees and got married um, to a sweet, wonderful guy from the United States and then moved out to, um, to the US about four years ago. But most of my life was spent in England. Um, we lived just outside London um, in a small little village and my uh, my parents um, pastored a local Baptist church there. So that was kind of, you know, part of where I grew up and what we did. Um, very 
lovely, sweet, faithful community of Christians that we just did life with, you know, everyone, um, we all lived very close. That was, that was one thing that was very special. Um, and something I didn't really get, you know, used to when I came out to us that people would drive to go to church. Whereas where we were, everyone was walking distance away, which meant that know you um you would see each other during the week you would be commuting to work together you went to school together everyone did life together um and I think that really um has formed just how I see um the church and life um when we moved from India we didn't have any family in England so the church really did become our family we had a very close-knit um community of believers you know everyone that was older were grandparents or aunts and uncles and little brothers and sisters and so it was it was just a really sweet time of just understanding what it means to be part of the body of Christ Hmm. that's a beautiful picture of what it should be like huh (laughs) so you've kind of touched on it a little bit um that your um dad was a pastor so what was your life growing and um what kind of spiritual foundations were laid by your parents in those years yeah, um, well, and my parents were Baptist ministers. Well, they still are. They're still pastoring in the same community that, um, that I mean, I joined the church, I think, when I was five or six years old. Oh. So um, <laughs> that, that's our family. Um, and and I think just kind of the spiritual foundations that we had was my parents. Um, and honestly, they're so much more fun to interview than I am. I oh, just lived I have met them. I will vouch. They are awesome people. <laughs> They just lived an incredible life of faith and um, seeing how they followed the Lord and where he led them. um, They were just very much um, the ones that kind of put it in both me and my sister, my older sister, that like our lives are meant to glorify God, Mm. that our lives aren't meant about building our own kingdoms or, um, you know, having all of the the things that man would want. And actually that that life will be exceedingly joyful um, and far more fulfilling than if we just pursue our own dreams. Mm. Um, And so just, just seeing that worked out in, in the ways that they picked jobs or rejected job situations or, you know, um, whatever it was, the decision that they made, they, they did so um, very much of, okay, how will this honor the Lord? Is this the right step to do? And it's okay if we don't know what the next step will be, because we're going to walk by faith and the Lord will open up the doors. And so growing up, I mean, I heard the most miraculous stories of my Lord, you know, the Lord's protection of my dad when he was in the army, mm. um, my mom, how she got married, how she was even born. She was born after 10 years of her parents um, not having children oh. and just, just so many you know, stories of, well, you know what, the Lord did this and this is what he has for us and look how we can bring him glory. And that was kind of how um, our foundation was. So when we moved to England, we didn't have family, but that was okay because it was very much that we're not just Indian, we're Christian, you know, Christianity and being a Christian was our firm identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we moved somewhere, we didn't look for a community of Christ- of, of Indians to be part of, but a community of Christians. Mm. Um we're very much like, no, the Lord fulfills his promises. Um, and, and, and we live life with other Christians and we can together glorify the Lord through whatever challenges we go through. That's beautiful. So many things we could talk about just with that. (laughs) I would let, no, (laughs) that's why I love you so much. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your life now. Where do you live now? Yeah, so um, my husband and I, we moved, um, we got married in England and we moved uh, to the States about four years ago. Um, and well, he's always, he's American. 
So he's been there a long time. <laughs> uh, but he moved out to England to marry me because he's so sweet. Um, <laughs> and, our, and our plan was actually to stay there. And I think that's kind of part of it. Like our plan was to stay there. Um, and, and this is kind of, it goes into why we moved and what was going on. And, um, and in that time where um, I met my husband uh, four years before we actually got married. So we'd um, known each other for a long time. Um, we had this wonderful friendship. Our families were friends. Um, and he had, you know, come out to England. I'd come out to um, America to visit him quite a few times. Um, and it was only when he moved out to England, and this was just gearing up to, to us getting married, um, that he kind of started to see that things in my health weren't too good mm-hmm. um, or that I was, um, you know, he just knows me very well. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord for husbands that can, you know, really know us well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at that point we thought maybe I'd just been quite stressed out. I'd finished a really busy season at work. Um, I was doing my master's while I was working full time. So there's a lot going on. Um, and, and so quite soon after we got married, um, you know, he, he made the decision. He was like, no, I think, I think we need to move back to the U S I think, um, just with how visa things are going and how my work was that he was like, I think we need to move back so he could work and I could kind of stay at home and, and hopefully recover. Um, and so that was, that was why we moved, um, him back to the U S why I moved to the U S. Um, and these last four years we've, we've moved four times. Um, we're currently now, I didn't realize that (laughs) we're currently now just South of Salt Lake city, about 20 minutes away from, from the city in Utah. Um, and oh my word, do we love it? It's just such a wonderful place. And we found a wonderful community of believers to do life with. Um, and just generally it really suits our personalities. We're quite outdoorsy. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice outdoorsy culture. Um, and I really missed seasons. We lived in Southern California before we moved out to Utah um so you know it was I just miss snow and rain and uh fall colors so um just moving to Utah was um was a very um unforeseen blessing in many ways now I asked Evangeline to tell her story sure thank you so much Paula um yeah so I alluded to it a little bit earlier just about how my husband had kind of seen that um I maybe wasn't too well. But I'd say that um, really kind of things started to not be okay. In my early teenage years, um, I would kind of have these weird stomach pains. I would, um, you know, kind of pass out from pain um, at different times. Um, And, and, you know, we went to see the doctor whenever we were there, you know, and, 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 and I think I didn't necessarily um, allude to this earlier, but I was a very sporty young girl. I think every single day a week I was um, you know, playing something. I was, you know, in netball or volleyball or swimming, or I was in the air training call, which is um, like the baby RAF, the Royal Air Force. So there was always stuff going on. So I was quite a busy teenager, um, always doing very outdoorsy things. And so having pain just wasn't really part of that life. It was just like, well, what's going on here? And so I would feel that and I was like, okay, maybe I should go to the doctor to look at it. And they would run tests and everything will come back normal. And so they would say, oh no, I think you're fine. Just, you know, we'll wait another six weeks and we'll see how it goes. Um, And so that just kind of carried on. And I think it just became something that I just thought I just had to deal with that now and then, um, you know, I would learn how to breathe. I would learn how to, you know, just, just, just kind of deal with the pain that came in. And, and at that point we just thought it was some type of digestive pain or something because it didn't, it didn't make sense as to when it would come and go. Um, And sometimes it would be very severe. It felt like 
um, like clamps around my belly, I'd say is the best way to put it. I would feel very tight, very, you know, um, I'd get really hot. Um, and then it would go away in about five minutes, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't very long, but it was very, um, odd and very concerning even from a young age. But anytime I would go to the doctor, they, they wouldn't really think anything of it. Um, and, and so that was kind of what I, what I grew up with. So I would say that was probably starting around 14, 15, um, and then right the way through and, you know, um, going into college. And, and it was funny, I was just recently in England and, and met up with one of my, my housemates, actually, um, who lived with me during that time. And I was telling her a little bit about my journey and what I'd gone through. And she would say, gosh, yeah, no, I remember that you were in excruciating pain. Oh. And I think back now, and I don't remember thinking it was excruciating pain. It was just normal pain for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, and she was like, no, like you were, you were always, you were doubled over at the time or oh. you were, you know, um, like she knew that I wasn't okay because she knew what I was like when I was okay. So I think people on the outside, I think sometimes saw it more clearly than I did um, because, you know, you just, that was kind of my personality. Okay. Well, we just get on with it and we keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of grin and, and bear so it. Kind of, <laughs> yes. Um, and that was, that was kind of what it was. And, and kind of during that time, um, I wouldn't say that I had particularly painful periods. I think now and then they were. Um, but again, I would go outside and play netball. I would go outside and do something. And I think just just found ways to kind of relieve the pain a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I would find that at times where I was more stressed out or I was going through stressful seasons of life, my whole digestive system was just wrecked. Yeah. You know, like I could eat anything and even, you know, healthy things and whatever it was, my stomach was just not going to be settled with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was already a sign that something else was going on. Yeah. Um, but again, didn't really ever get any, didn't have a diagnosis, didn't have anything that said that actually anything was not okay. Every test that, that the doctors had, had, you know, kind of assigned to me always came back completely normal. Um, and if, if I can interrupt what kind of a mental place did that put you in? Cause I know sometimes there, there can be relief even in knowing you have a condition, not that you're happy you have a condition, but sometimes if you can get a name to it, it's kind of hopeful. Cause you're like, okay, well now we can start working on that. So was that discouraging to you or your parents to just keep going to the doctor? And they're like, ah, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, it actually wasn't, I think okay. part of me didn't want to have a condition. Yeah, actually. sure. I get it. Yeah. You know, I, I think actually my personality was like, okay, great. I get, I just have to keep going. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, like I'll, I'll go and I'll get, well, they, they're saying I'm okay. So let's just keep going. I think right. part of me just didn't want to have to deal with sure. something more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest, like it didn't feel like it was very serious actually okay. at, mm-hmm. in those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I would say in my later twenties, um, that, that suddenly this one-off little pain that would come now and then, but then it would go away and I was fine, um, built to be something a lot more, you know, every day I would just have these weird pains on my side. And, um, and I just realized, actually, I don't think this is okay. Like what's going on, what's going on here. But as I said, I was again, going through, um, a very stressful time or, I mean, and it wasn't bad. It was, I was doing my master's. I was working a wonderful job in central London, but, you know, working very long hours, um, also dealing with, uh, an international relationship, dealing with visa issues, planning a wedding. Right. Um, my, um, uh, my father-in-law had a stroke just oh. after I was actually planning a consultation in the Middle East. So I was traveling a lot too. Um, you know, I finished the consultation in the 
least flew right over to California to help out with things going on with the family, flew back dealing with wedding stuff. And I was so managing it's almost quite like, a few projects. Um, why would I feel good? You know, <laughs> it's like, I've got yes, all this going yeah. off. Who's going to feel good, you know, dealing with all that. So you were able to kind of, you know, excuse it away, I guess would be a way to say it. And I think it was just like, it's okay. We'll just get through the wedding and I'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. We'll just, you know, we'll just grit it. We'll get through it. And, right. <laughs> and I'll be outside. I'm there, you know, showing up, doing all the things I need to do. But, you know, at home I was, ex- I was just incredibly exhausted yeah. and incredibly, um, you know, just really needing, all right, Lord, I need your strength today to get me through. Right. Um, and it wasn't until, as I said, after our wedding that we're on our, we're on our honeymoon. Um, and, you know, my husband is then, um, seeing actually what I'm like on my oh, off times too because oh, yeah. otherwise he would just see me when I'm out you know we we never lived together we never you know did anything right, like that right, together so right. and finally he was just like no I, I really don't think this is okay like oh. I don't think this is normal and I don't think you're well mm-hmm. um and then suddenly my body just started absolutely reacting I had these weird allergic reactions on my legs I had mm. like every day something was going very wrong. Um, and so it felt like I'd held things together up until, you know, I'm 27, I just get married. And then it just felt like my body was just crumbling. Um, and, and that was really scary to go through. Um, probably even more so for my husband than it was for me. Like we just got married and suddenly his wife is just not doing well. Um, and so we moved out to, to the States and, um, and Joe went back to work and and I could rest while we were waiting for my visa to come through. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I slept for about 12 hours a day, 12 oh, to 13 hours a day. Wow. Um, and we were just like, okay, wow, this is really quite something, you know? Yeah. And this is from the person I'd be up at like, you know, five, six in the morning and wouldn't go to bed till 11 at night. Like it wasn't, you know, someone that really did a lot of, um, or had the opportunity, I would say to, 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 um, to have a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we just kind of kept going with that. And, and I think that lasted for a few months. Um, and I did, I actually started to feel better again. I thought things were okay. And, um, the Lord and and his goodness helped establish us very quickly where we were in California. We, um, you know, Joe got his job back. Uh, we both got cars. I got my green card very, very quickly. Praise the Lord for that. Um, got my driver's license and then everything shut down with COVID. Um, you know, so it was just like, everything was settled during that time. Um, and then I got this job as, um, the director of a pro-life pregnancy clinic in Southern California. Um, and we bought a house. So it felt like everything was falling into place so well. Um, and we moved in, we moved in that, that first weekend in September, Labor Day weekend, it was 115 degrees. Um, (laughs) just like, okay. And I remember sitting there, like kind of getting through it and thinking, gosh, wow, life seems really good. And the Lord has really blessed us. And we're in a really good place. And we're so grateful that in the midst of COVID and everything else that was going on, we, um, we were pretty stable. We had, um, good jobs. We had a house. It was, it, it felt like a very sweet season. Um, and that was the last month that I had a regular period and, and kind of, you know, we get to the end of that month and, um, and I was in excruciating pain, crawling on the floor. Um, I was throwing up profusely. Um, and, and, and I remember telling my husband, it feels like I have open wounds inside of me and I don't know what to do with that. Um, and so it felt like we'd gone through this lovely season, finally felt like we were getting better. And then bam, this, this really hit. Mm. And this was, um, you know, September, October of 2020. Um, and so kind of since then, we've been on this journey of trying to figure out what was going on. 
Um, and it took the doctor about six months because he was quite surprised. He didn't really know what was going on. He was like, well, you haven't had any period issues before. You don't have all of these other co comorbidities. Um, and so they were just kind of watching and waiting to see what would happen. And so, you know, month by month, I went to the doctor um, and I just got progressively worse by mm. February, March. I was on pain medication every day. Mm. So before it was just when I was on my cycle that it was really bad, but then it got to the point that the pain was daily and it was incredibly bad during my cycle. Mm. Uh, and let so, me, let me ask you before you um, uh, finish your story, where, what was your headspace during that time? Um, were you, were you struggling with depression along with all of this pain? Were you hopeful? Were you kind of a mix of both? Were you bitter? Like where, where were you at, you know, during all that? Yeah. So um, it's good that you asked that. Cause I think, um, this is a good, this is a really important lesson, I think, for all of us in, in going through difficult times is that, um, that September, the same month that all of this kicked off at the start of the month, um, I was part of Bible study fellowship. Um, and oh, yes, I'm familiar started... with that. I participated in that, uh, for three years back in North Carolina. So <laughs> It's, it's so good. And just, you know, especially at that time where, you know, things were pretty shut down still and people weren't really meeting together. It was really lovely that we had this community. We, we met on zoom. Yeah. Um, and actually that, uh, that particular, uh, session we were, we were going through Genesis. Um, yes. and so we were going through, you know, the Lord's wonderful plan from the beginning of creation, how, mm. you know, and comes in Mars things and then how family after family actually in the first few generations there's quite a lot of women that are going through really difficult trials right um and so it was really interesting that um at the same time that we we're speaking through you know Sarah longing for children Rebecca longing for children all yeah. of these yeah. women that are going through difficult things um it felt like the Lord was preparing me for what I was going to go through um oh. And it felt like he was really um, protecting my mind, I think is the best way to put it, because I think a lot of the um, the real trial with even physical pain is actually the mental battle that goes right. on within right. us. So it's, it's interesting that you said, did I you know, go through depression? And, and I'm so grateful that I didn't. Huh. Um, and I don't think that's because I'm superhuman or anything like that. I just do. I, I think that having the right frame of mind and, and having the word of God like mm. underpinning us was was really something that I would say stop me from dropping into, um, a negative frame of mind. Um, Praise the Lord. And so, yeah. And so one after the other, we were, you know, and this was what we were discussing in our groups. Okay. So how is the Lord working in that time of waiting? How is the Lord working in, in this? And it was, and, and for me, it was that reminder of, we know the stories of these people in the Bible because of the trials that they go through. Right. Yes you know, we don't know about them because they live these beautiful, perfect lives. Exactly. We, yes. We know about it and we hear, um, whether they walk forward in faith or if they are doubtful or if they are bringing glory to God, whatever it is, um, we're really shown that the Christian walk, even from the beginning of the Bible yes. is filled with trials and yes. filled with difficulties. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that was a really good thing to have in the forefront of my mind while I was going through, um, a very scary few months, I would say this was this pain that I'm talking about from October, 2022 was completely so much more intense and different to what I'd experienced as a teenager. Okay, so okay. I think what I had gone through as a teenager was so little and it was fine for me to think, Oh, I'll just, you know, kind of go away with it. But this, this was serious. Um, and, and it was at that time that we knew that this was a different trial, that this was, 
Um, you know, all of that time in my teenage years where I thought, oh, maybe this is just something small. It was at this point that I knew, no, this, this wasn't small. Um, and this was probably going to be, um, just different to what I thought life was going to look like. But, um, but I think we were still hoping and praying that it wouldn't be anything. So, um, it took six months from, um, from that time, October, well, actually a bit longer than that. It was six months when we had decided, yes, we were were probably going to go, um, forward with exploratory surgery, um, my OBGYN at that point was just like, I think we just need to go inside and see what's going on because nothing else really made sense. My, um, all my blood tests and things were still coming out completely normal, but obviously this was not normal. Um, my scans showed that I did have um, a few cysts on my right ovary, but nothing to, to really make sense of the type of pain that I was in. Mm. Um, and we, we had scheduled, um, surgery for June 16th, I remember. And, um, and I remember getting touched my doctor just before that and, um, and telling him, Hey, somehow things have kind of shifted in my cycle. And it now, um, looks like my period is going to come a few days before my scheduled surgery, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're on pain medicine every single day and you need that to get through the day, um, when you're waiting to go in for a laparoscopic surgery, you can't take certain pain medicines mm-hmm. okay. um, leading up to it. So for the two oh. weeks prior to surgery, you can't take it. Right. And I just remember thinking, I I don't think I can get through a period without pain medicine right. at this point. Right. Um and 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 I don't want to I don't want to speak badly about my doctor, but I, you know, he was just like, you'll be fine, just take Tylenol. You know, that was that was that was the kind of the response that was right. there. And and I was like, well, okay, I mean he's a doctor. I guess this is what we're gonna have to do. And right. maybe the Lord will help me get through this. Um, and so the night before, um, I knew that my surgery was kind of scheduled. It was very regular. So I kind of knew when it was coming still. Um, I remember Joe and I, my husband and I just praying and just saying, Lord, we pray that everything will be okay. Um, you know, just really filled with faith that the Lord will come through and that we wouldn't have any crazy pain. Um, you know, just, just, we just had a wonderful evening together, had dinner, spoke about it. We just kind of knew that something was going on, um, that we just wanted to invite the Lord into this, into this whole, uh, thing that we were going through. And we went to sleep, um, actually quite late. We went to bed at, at um, at almost 1 PM that night. Um, we, you know, just played games. It was, it was just really Aww. fun. Um, and so we went to sleep, um, and, and at 2, 2 AM I woke up and, um, felt like I need to go to the bathroom. So I went, um, and then I laid back in bed and, um, and within 10 seconds, it felt like, like if there was electricity going through your body, all of these different switches were turning on in my abdomen and everything felt like there were knives stabbing me. And I just remember just waking up, sitting up in bed and just screaming because it was just so painful. Um, and then I was on the floor cause I was trying to get to the bathroom cause I could feel myself needing to throw up. And it was just, it was just an awful, awful time. And my sweet husband um, just didn't know what to do. He ran downstairs to get a heat pad, which is what I usually need. And he brought it up to me and I was just like, no, I need something. Like it was just, it was so starkly more intense than anything I'd even experienced these last six months. Um, And I remember looking very clear, you know, very, very directly to him and saying, hey, I've already packed the hospital bag because surgery was supposed to be in three days time. I need you to take me to the emergency room um, right now because I'm afraid that I will pass out and you won't know what to do and then we'll both just be here in a mess. So you need to take me right now. And we got in the car and we got over there and, you know, I'm ratching the whole way there. It was just a very awful experience. 
and getting me in, they kind of saw how bad I was and took me right inside. And then they gave me some medicine to stop me from throwing up and put me on morphine at that point. Um, And and the morphine, um, Paula didn't actually take the pain away. It just meant that I wasn't continually throwing up. Um, And so, you know, at that point we were just like, okay, wow, this is, this is probably pretty bad. Like this is not good for this to be at this level. Um, And, you know, they wheeled me in and they took some, um, they took uh, an ultrasound, they did um, an MRI, they did a few different tests on me. Um, And I remember just getting back and I told Joe, oh no, the doctors and nurses are all being really, really kind to me. So this is probably a whole lot more serious than we think this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, And at that point they weren't, they weren't sure if they were going to operate on me right then. And then they decided, no, let's, let's give you this very, very strong beautiful Percocets and all of those things that I can very easily see why some people can get hooked to them. So, you know, really, yeah. um, it really did finally, you know, kind of take away the pain, but obviously it gave me a whole bunch of other side effects. Oh, right. um, and, you know, and um, I'm, I'm really thankful that you alluded to that because I think that's something that's easy to gloss over um, people that deal with chronic pain, just, you know, the medications that you're introduced to, of course, very innocently can turn against you and be your worst enemy. And, you know, that's a way that we can really be sympathetic to people that are dealing with chronic pain is the temptation to drug addiction. Um, And I know that's a huge, huge issue in our country. Uh, I don't know if around the world, if it's an issue, but I do know in our country, it's a very big issue. So thank you for bringing that up. And um, yeah. So let me ask you at, at this point, had you been given a diagnosis of endometriosis or is that, that's that diagnosis is coming in your story or you know, that diagnosis is coming three days later. Okay. 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 Yeah. So it's all very soon. So we, you know, ended up in the ER. It was very, very bad. And I think at that point I knew that things were probably a little bit more severe than, than we thought they were. Right. And, um, we went in three days later, went in for exploratory surgery. Um, prior to that, my doctor said, Oh, well, you know, you're still really young. This has just kind of come up later in life. This may just be the early stages of endo or something like that. Yeah. Um, but after, but after, you know, we go in, I'll quickly clear things out. This will probably be the most fertile time, um, for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll just make sure you're healed and then you and your husband are good to go. Let's, you know, maybe try for kids. So that was what we were told going into surgery Mm -hmm. and we went into surgery and, um, and I was still knocked out and the doctor came to see my husband. Um, and he said, I, you know, I've been a surgeon for over 30 years and um I'm really sorry but this is the worst case I've ever come across um and uh you and your wife will probably never be able to have children naturally um and so that was um you know told my poor husband he was just kind of in the waiting room by himself talking and kind of like heartrending and awful for my husband um but I think for me kind of like what you said before the diagnosis was relieving Okay. At that point, I didn't hear it and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. At that point I heard it and I said, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, it was a really different, like, I think after the three days ago in hospital with the severe pain, I think I already knew it was more um, intense than what my doctor was alluding to. And then I think finally getting the diagnosis, I was like, oh my gosh, this sense of what I had been going through. Actually, um, he, he thinks I probably just had this since um, since I started my period. So this is about 18 years that I had, wow. you know, kind of gone through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a very, uh, sorry, 12 years by that time. And then, you know, since then, but yes, for, but for a very long time, I had right. kind of dealt with this. So, right. um, 
that that was what we have to deal with. And um, and we were told at that point that just because of how young I was, usually if if someone was um, having this stage of endometriosis, um, where I was at stage four, I had what they called a frozen pelvis. So all of my internal organs were kind of stuck together and they were moving mm. together, um, which is makes sense of why I was throwing up all the time, you know, rather than just right. my uterus contracting when my cycles were there, actually my whole abdomen was contracting. And so right. it was just incredibly, incredibly painful. Mm. Um, and then what was going on as to why I was in pain every day was that I had um, not just a regular cyst. I had an endometrium. I had two endometriomas in my right ovary mm-hmm. um, that were very deeply embedded and that were releasing toxins into my body. So oh, wow. um, it was just, you know, it was just very intense and my inflammation yeah. levels were incredibly high. And, you know, thankfully they found out I had endo. Otherwise they would have thought I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke at some oh, point. Wow. Soon. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It, was, it was at that level that usually they would, you know, kind of rush you into the emergency room. So, right. um, right. suddenly I guess my body had just been dealing with it for so long, but it got to the point where it was just, you know, take it anymore. Overwhelmingly. Anymore. Yes, exactly. Wow. Um, wow. so, so, so that's what we had to process. Another thing, um, that comes to mind is just people that are dealing with such deep pain, deep physical pain. There are so many layers to it also. I mean, not only were you just in excruciating pain, which can be mentally and physically uh, debilitating, but also now the news of the possibility of never having children. And so I think it just really behooves all of us, especially believers to know that people that are dealing with pain are also often dealing with so many other nuances in their life and just to, to lovingly come alongside them. I'm reading this book right now. A friend of mine gave me, it's called dark clouds, deep mercy. And it's, um, have you heard of it? It's so good. I highly recommend it. And now I'm only on chapter four. I always hesitate to fully recommend something when I haven't (laughs) read all the way through it, but I'll recommend the first four chapters. And just, it just talks about how we go through such deep, deep trials um, and how uh, we've just, we've got to pour our hearts out to God, even our complaints out to God for the purpose of being drawn to him and trust. And I was reading something today that talked about um, you're, you're, you're pouring your complaints out to God with faith in the, almost like in the praise and the testimony you're going to give, you know? And so I just, I thank you for, for pointing that out, that it wasn't just your pain. It was also now the new grief that you were having to bear with this news. Now I'm having to think about how do I let my family know, you know, how do I kind of approach that subject when I'm also trying to process a lot of things myself. And so I think it was, it was, I just remember that June into July and August just felt like my head was spinning. It felt like there were so many things going on. And, um, and as I was saying, usually when they find someone with my kind of severity of case, um, usually they would just go to giving them a full hysterectomy. That's the usual protocol. But most people that they find at my stage have had their children, they're kind of older. Um, and so it was a, it was a very different, um, almost case of my own doctor that was just like, oh, what do we do with you when you're so, I was 28 at this point, you know, and then I just turned 29 when I got the diagnosis and, you know, we're still trying to figure out what do we, what do we do with that? Um, and so at that point he just said, Hey, this is really severe. And so the best option that I have for you is, um, is actually not an, they don't really have specific endometriosis, 
um, medications. Um, they had um, a cancer drug that they usually for prostate cancer and for a few other things. Um, and they have, you know, half the dosage that they give to endo patients as compared to cancer patients. Um, but with my case, they put me right up to the cancer patient level. Wow. And so I was going from getting this very severe diagnosis to being put on this very severe medication mm -hmm. um, that generally strips my body of all of its estrogen and put me into chemical menopause okay. at 28. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you're now, so I'm now dealing with um, hot flashes, incredible joint pain on top of the other pain that I'm dealing with. And then all of these shots were like two grand a shot, like something ridiculous like wow. that. So it was just a lot of things to deal with. And, right. um, and, you know, my husband and I were like, what do we do with this? What do we, what do we do with all of this? Um, and, and I, and I think back to the way that I'd started that Bible study in Genesis, going through how the Lord can come through in the most ridiculous of situations, how going through trial and suffering, even long trial and suffering um, can bring glory to him, you know? And, and so I had to just look back, okay, Lord, like, what are you doing in all of this? And, and how do we try and make sense of a situation that really doesn't make sense while it was, um, you know, it, it made sense that I got this diagnosis. Okay. That's great. But then it's like a whole new trial that we're dealing with. Yes. Um, but, and, and I hadn't mentioned this before, but I, you know, I said I was going through my master's degree when I was in, in England, I was working a lot. Um, I, my, my background is actually in medical sciences and then my master's oh. degree is in medical ethics and medical law. Oh. And I actually specialized in reproductive ethics. And so it was very interesting that, um, that I had actually studied a lot into how do we ethically deal with medical conditions, mm -hmm. um, especially from a Christian's point of view, mm -hmm. when something um, like fertility and pain is so closely linked with, um, you know, our life in general, like how do we go on to in, in our marriages, how do we raise children? How do we, um, with all of the different types of, um, of medical advances that have happened, is everything just, um, is everything as, as black and white? Um, as some doctors kind of portray it to be. Right. So I think in the middle of all of that, I was, you know, grateful that I had had my time to wrestle through those difficult ethical concerns mm -hmm. prior to going through pain. Huh. So, you know, like the pain that I was going through way back in my it was nothing compared to this. I could still think clearly. I was still able to, um, you know, really understand what, um, what the Lord's beautiful design is for marriage and family life, mm -hmm. um, that he gave me this deep longing to have children and to, you know, um, to understand that, um, that pain is just an indicator of other things that are going on. Oh. It's not the chief issue. Like oh. it's, it is, it, you know, the, the pain is, is, is glaring in our face, but there are deeper issues going on. And so to really try and try and get through to the core of what's going on rather than just to placate the symptoms that are there. Mm -hmm. um, and that was part of, you know, what we're dealing with medical ethics and looking at law and looking at how do we treat people with dignity? How do we um, actually help um, fully, what's the word just treat patients with the care that they need but give them the space to be able to make make the decisions that they want for themselves um so you know it's, it's all of these things that I'm wrestling with so then I have like you know my, my professional side that's dealing with my the emotional side and the pain um and it felt very overwhelming actually it was it was useful having that knowledge but it felt like um I remember thinking gosh I can't get this wrong I need to navigate this correctly like 
because others will be looking to me. I'm the person that's, that study this, you know, right. what's going on. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, that's wrong. You right. know, like that's undue pressure that we, we, that we tend to put on ourselves. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, two months into going through this treatment, um, my husband and I went to see um, a very sweet older Christian couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always nice being around people that are seasoned in their faith mm-hmm. um, that can just, you know, kind of see through the craziness and be like, well, you know, we've got, we've been walking with Lord for 60 years. This is how you do it. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I remember meeting with, um, with this gentleman and, and he's, and he just telling me, he was just like, Evangeline, the Lord rewards us when we move forward in faith. And so it's not on you to make every single decision correctly mm-hmm. you can move forward but be okay to him changing your plans you know he loves you he is going to be in this with you you don't need the full weight of of you know every decision on you so move forward and know that the lord um will can can very easily change the path you know direct you in a different option or completely stop you if you're going in the wrong way right. um and that was such freeing advice that I think I was given, you know, mm-hmm. just, just remembering that in all of these things of what we're going through, like the Lord is so in control. Um, I can't, um, you know, he, he can work through every stupid mistake and every failure that's there, but obviously I want to try and make, make good decisions. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and I think from that point on, we saw with, with how we dealt with, um, with all of the whole journey that we we went on from there, how every single time um, I felt like every time I made a decision, the Lord came in and changed it, um, oh. and and that was really lovely. That was really good, um, almost evidence of His care and how intimately involved He was um, in in the journey that I was in. If I stopped to look for Him. You know, before that, I was just so absorbed in getting it right and and thinking through, trying to manage all of these things. And and I think, you know, the enemy likes to do that. He likes to make us think that we're the ones that are in control, that we're the ones that are in charge, that um, that everything is on us. And it really leads to a very isolating place. Um, whereas being able to share what you're going through with other Christians and and listen to the advice that they have and being open to the Lord coming in and, and shifting things really helps. It did, at least for me and for my husband, really helped us relax, um, not knowing where the journey would go, but knowing that we could trust that the Lord really, really did care for us. Like not just a little trust, like he really, really wanted to be involved in every decision. Um, and that, and and that was say, really, that was really freeing. Would you say that, um, was that counseling with the older couple? Was that kind of the um, the turning point in all of this to to help you have the? Because what I'm hearing is just the the hands completely wide open to the Lord, um, and just just turning this this situation over to the Lord. Would you say that time with that couple was kind of the catalyst to that shift, or do you think you were kind of heading that way all along? Um, no, I would say that that really was um, a huge change. I think before that, um, not that I wasn't trusting the Lord, but I was no. also just, you know, trusting in um, in the experiences he'd let me have. Like I, right. I was very grateful to the way that I had been brought up. I was very grateful to the um, to the education that I had been given. Um, but I think somewhere in the midst of that, I put the pressure on myself to get it sure. right. Sure. And why, you know, do, you and think, why think, do you think that is? And that's not an Evangeline thing. So I'm not putting you on the spot. I think that's all of us. Yeah. Why do you, why well, do you think, think we do that? 
I think when you're wrestling with so many things at the same time, sure. stopping and um, looking for the Lord to see you through and it seems very counterproductive. Oh, that's interesting. Think, you know, I mean, like those two months leading up to the time that I went to go see this couple was um, dealing with medical insurance bills, dealing with treatment plans. I was back to work again, um, dealing with, you know, how do we potentially pay for all of these different medications that were on? What is the best cause of action? Um, actually, I was starting to get sick again after that first surgery. It wasn't getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, then I have, I'm, I'm, I actually worked in a medical clinic. So I have my nurses and my doctors all telling me things to, I'm navigating so many things. And so I think that I went from getting a very serious diagnosis to um, returning to a very full life that didn't necessarily have um, the space for me to, um, to really spend the time with the Lord and to listen to his advice as much as I probably should have done. I obviously prayed and, and, oh, you know, yes, was doing things course. alongside, but it was just a busy, busy time that I didn't yeah. stop um, to really surrender all of those decision-making choices to him. I felt like I just had to make the choices and get moving. Well, and I can a hundred percent attest to that in my own life. And that really resonates with me. Like, um, trials always are viewed as an interruption to what we're really doing. And yeah. I think it's like the Lord comes in and says, but this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's so hard to want to yield to that because, you know, intrinsic to the, to the name, it's a trial and it hurts. And, and we don't want to endure that. We definitely don't want to be interrupted by hardship. And, yeah. um, and so that's really good to, like you say, just to view it as I've got to take time for this trial because God has put this in my life. Yeah. And, and I think that was just the, the hard part was that every day, not knowing how that day was ever going to look. Um, very controlled, very planned person. And then suddenly it felt like my whole world was out of sync. You know, I would make plans and not be able to keep them mm -hmm. or um, just be afraid of making any plans. Like we'd plan a date night and then we'd mm -hmm. turn around in the car and have to come back. And, um, and, you know, I alluded to how much we love life out in Utah. It's very outdoorsy culture. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's a huge part of how my husband and I found love. We, mm -hmm. um, are very spontaneous. We would do a lot of trips. Um, I was in the air training corps. He was in the army. We're both, you know, love the, um, the thought of hiking and, you know, just doing lots of things that, um, don't really go well with chronic pain. Right. Um, and so it felt like it wasn't just, um, that I was in pain. It felt like I was just losing a whole part of, um, my identity of who I liked to be. It right. wasn't everything that I was, but these are the parts of myself that I was very proud of that I really liked to, um, to embrace. Mm -hmm. Um, and it felt like all of those things were being stripped away. Yeah. Um, and obviously that, that really took a toll on our, on our relationship and our marriage. And I'm just so grateful for just the sweetest husband. Um, I have to say that that is that going through suffering has been just one of those great, great joys that I'm like, look, even the Lord in choosing who I was even with really made a difference. You know, um, Joey, I love him to pieces. Wasn't the type of husband I thought I wanted when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and going through suffering, I just remember thinking, gosh, um, when we were dating, there were a few days where if I was a little bit sick, he would just kind of smother me with love. He would just smother me with like wanting to care for me. And I remember thinking, I don't need you to care for me. I'm independent. Like, gosh, why do you care for me so much? <laughs> and, you know, 
thought even a few months into marriage, I really needed care. Oh. You know, on those those days where it was everyday pain, I would, you know, be in pain for four to six hours, and um, and then I'd be working, and I'd get home, and that was that was that was my energy limit. You know, he cooked, he cleaned, he did everything at that time, um, and he never complained about it. He just wanted to love me, and I just remember thinking, gosh, <laughs> I have been with the type of person I thought I wanted to. I would have been such a letdown to them. Oh right. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do the things that we should have been doing. Whereas this sweet man that the Lord had prepared to go through life with me just wanted a, a wife at home with him to hang out with. Aww. So he was very well, happy with and, that. And never you mind that the Lord moved him all, you know, brought him all the way from America to England. You know, and you said um, how the Lord rewards us when we move forward in faith. And I, you know, we talked about that book that I'm currently reading, um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and how it talks about that just um, in your times of lament and complaint and just these, these trials that are such agony, we're able to look back at what God has done in our lives. And those can be our anchor points that, you know, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to move forward through this, but I, you know, to the older couples point that, that God brought into your life, that's how we move forward is, is we look back at those times of, of, I call them big moves by God, you know? Yeah. And so the next big move for us was moving to Utah yeah. meeting, um, we went to go see uh, the local doctor here and um, he was actually on sabbatical. I met his, um, the midwife that was with him and she was just like, oh yeah, no, really glad you left California. That was like, no, like there are other ways that we can deal with this, but you're actually too severe a case for us to deal with. Oh. So, um, so they were like, no, we want to go ahead and do this, but really you need to go to, um, to another surgeon that's out of state in St. Louis. Um, Missouri. Well, they gave me a few different doctors to look at, and that was the one that we ended up going with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it was very quick. We moved in 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 February, March. I met with a with a doctor here in, in Utah, and um, and in April I had the consultation with um, with a doctor out in St. Louis. Okay. Um, and and just speaking with him, it just felt like it was just night and day different to how I had um, just been speaking to to my old doctor. I mean, I love my old doctor. He was a very, very sweet man. I know that he did, he did care for me, mm-hmm. but um, there's a difference when you're speaking with, with Christians mm, that understand um, yeah. a very different, under, you know, like my doctor in California, I was his patient. He wanted to get me out of pain. Mm-hmm. My future children were not his concern. Sure. Whereas with a Christian doctor, he's like, okay, I know that um, marriage and family life is really important. And I know that the Lord has made your body to be able to do this. Like a woman's body is made to procreate. And if mm-hmm. she can't, then it's an indicator of something not right. Mm-hmm. Then let me go in and find what's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that really stuck out to me with this particular physician and why we ended up going uh, to him was that um, his wife actually had endometriosis. Oh. And so he had gone through it from a husband's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um and just remembering um, my sweet husband sitting in the waiting room and having my old surgeon come and tell him this devastating news and not necessarily caring for my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew, okay, actually going with this doctor, he understands what it's like even from my husband's point of view. Right. Um, and I felt very safe speaking with him. He was very much on the same line on how I, um, you know, kind of feel about different ethical issues with um, reproductive reproductive technologies and so just in so many ways it just felt like such an answer to prayer to um to be under the care um, of someone that really put um my 
not just my needs, but I'd say my my Christian wants and longings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into the forefront of, of, of decision-making mm-hmm. when it comes to treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was around that time, actually, the same month that I had met with the doctor at the end is when I met you mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people that were praying for me. And so we decided to go ahead um, with surgery with with this particular doctor mm-hmm. um, instead of obviously the one that was that was there in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we had to wait a little while. It wasn't until um, August that I was scheduled in to go in for surgery um, and to have quite a high price tag with it. Um, and so there's, there's all of these things still going on. There was a lot of answer to prayer. Um, mm-hmm. And, and when we moved from California, uh, we moved just at a wonderful time. We made a good amount of money in our house. So we now had this chunk of money that the Lord had provided if we needed to use it for medical expenses. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm talking about a $200,000 surgery. Um, you know, well, and let's, may- let's pause. Okay. We've talked about chronic pain can, can lead to drug abuse because of the incredibly strong, it can lead to depression. Um, um, it can, can lead to suicide. Um, and another thing is it can lead to financial ruin, but definitely financial worry and despair. So I'm glad that you're bringing that up also, that these are just all the nuances that we need to think about when we approach someone who's dealing with incredible pain, um, that it's not just, they have, they hurt. There's all these other nuances that they're, that they're dealing with, you know, and, um, these are, these are just good ways for us to know how to pray for people and to sympathize with people and things like that. Okay. So you got a $200,000 price tag. Potentially. We had no okay. idea at this point. They didn't really know. It was just going to see what it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and, and just that worry that's on your mind. Okay. Lord, you, you've given us this money. Well, you know, hopefully we can come through with it. And it was, and it, and, and I remember just selling and coming and just the, the, the peace that kind of came upon us of like, mm-hmm. gosh, finally we have a chunk if needed. Like it was mm-hmm. one of those, like, okay. Cause before that we had no idea how we were going to pay for anything. It was right, just like, right. Lord, what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, even buying the house at the time that we did, that was the Lord's leading and mm-hmm. getting it. Like it was just so many things that led to us to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, we're waiting, we're preparing for surgery. Uh, July's coming around. We've got hotel. So this is now going to be out of state. Um, and they decided that I actually need two surgeries. So I needed to be there oh. for three weeks. Okay. So we're going to be out of state staying in a hotel for three weeks. So there's all of those, you know, kind of costs that are mounting up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I didn't, you know, I've been through surgery before, mm-hmm. but I just had this weird, like, you know, just the feeling of, gosh, this is a really major surgery. Mm-hmm. They told me it could be up to nine hours, mm-hmm. um, five hours for the endo part, four hours if I needed a bowel resection, because I didn't know how deeply, um, you know, infiltrated the endo was in my abdomen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, you know, I got, probably too much medical knowledge in my head just 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 the risks that come with surgeries that are that sure, long sure. the complications that can be there right. um and I remember not not feeling ridiculous like you know like very paranoid but just making sure I had all of my documents together Joe had all my passwords that if the worst had happened and I was going to die he was going to be okay like that thought that thought crossed my mind you know, like, I don't want to be silly about this. Like, this is very serious. These things can happen. So let right. me, let me right. prepare. And, um, and I got a call at the start of August. So just a few weeks before we go into surgery and it's the general manager of, um, of the healthcare sharing, com- um, 
ministry that I'm part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just remember just my heart thinking, why is the general manager calling me? If you tell me he won't cover any of this, mm-hmm. is this what this call is? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I knew that they may cover 50, 60, 70%. I just didn't know how much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, gosh, if the general manager's calling me, I don't really know if this is going to be good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, just said, oh, hi, yes. You know, yeah, okay, go, go ahead and speak to me. And I think my voice was a little bit shaky. And, mm-hmm. and I think he heard that. And he said, no, this is, this is, a, this is actually a good news call. I don't like just, just calm down a second. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that with big complicated surveys like this, these big price tag items, they land on my desk. Um, and so as a board, we reviewed your whole case. Um, and we are so, um, so sorry that you've had to go through this pain and see how severe it's been. My, my California doctor is very explicit in all the things that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just like, we're so sorry that this has happened to someone so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just wanted to let you know that, um, we have prayed over your case and we feel strongly from the Lord that we need to cover it hundred percent. Praise the Lord. And that, you know, that you can go into the surgery knowing that at least the financial side is taken care of. Mm-hmm. And we pray that the doctor will with the Lord, do the rest of the job of healing you. You know, it's just that, like, that, just that incredible, like, what Lord, like, like, thank you for that to get us to this stage. And, you know, and, and going back in the case, I didn't have a pre-existing condition all of my life. Which meant that when I went into a healthcare sharing ministry, I went in without a pre-existing condition. So they would cover it. It was, it was even like, it was that, it was that taking me back through those years of the frustration of not knowing what was going on. Why didn't I have the right help? Why wasn't, you know, when I was in England, healthcare is free. Why am I getting, you know, things out here where healthcare is not free, all of that stuff. But it was just like, no, if I had had that diagnosis back in England with, with the, with the system in the way that it is, I probably would have been right on the road to having a hysterectomy. They probably wouldn't have been able to give me all the different treatment options as I've had here. So praise the Lord that I didn't, that my doctors didn't find anything then. Well, and it's just like the right time. Yeah. You live long enough. uh, How do I say it? You live long enough as a believer, long enough in the faith. And you can, you know, hindsight's always 2020. You look back and you see, oh, (laughs) I get it now. That's what he was doing. But in the moment, you know, we just. I'll speak to myself. We have anxiety, depression. We struggle with all these different things because we don't know what's happening. We can't figure it out. And it's like, if we would just rest, and I know we talked about just open hands, just rest with an open-handed heart and just say, I don't know God, but you are omniscient. You know, everything from time past to time future. And I just put my life in your hand. I put the circumstance in your hand and just trust that even in the darkness of the unknown, you know, and I can rest in your wisdom and your, your love for me, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think that's part of our, of our journey in this was, um, creating space to see yeah. and not just feel. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes you just overwhelmed with feelings mm-hmm. and sometimes I just need to put the feelings to the side and be like, Lord, let me see mm-hmm. clearly because right now I'm just consumed with so many other things going on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we went into the surgery and, um, and I had a endo specialist who was also a fertility specialist along with a bowel specialist that kind of operated on me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and I didn't really feel comfortable with having a bowel resection. Um, I didn't really know if I wanted that. It would really create other complications for fertility things later on. And this particular um, endospecialist um, is just known for having wonderful uh, ways of, of kind of post-surgery prevention of, of additional adhesions and scar tissue formation. Mm-hmm. So really very, um, very needed things when it comes to your long-term care and support. It's quite known in the endo world that most, most women will end up um, needing surgery every few years. Oh, um, But, but actually surgery with doctors like this, as compared to my California doctor, um, his, his rate of repeat surgeries is less than 1%. Really? So it, it is, it is so incredibly starkly different. Mm. Um, you know, and Joe and I are just there like, why is this not standard care? Why is this not standard care? And, and it's just one of those, you know, things that I'm like, I just have to trust that, okay, Lord, we just need to, to follow you. And we're glad that you have brought us to know that this is, this is the, the path to take. That was really his doing so many times we were going down other routes that wouldn't have led here. But as I said, you know, open arms, follow what he, he opens up and look for what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't just send us to Utah and say, there's an act I had to remember and look, you know, that the, there's a part of, of our action in that. Sure. Too. Absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, just that, just that understanding that when we seek to honor him, mm-hmm. I think it's the best thing to say is when we seek to do things his way, he comes through. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, the other part of the conversation we had with that older couple was, was Joe's part of the conversation. My part was, oh, how do I make this decision? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Joe's side, I think as a husband and most men, gosh, eventually just wants to do everything really ethically, which means it's all just going to be really expensive. <laughs> you know, just that, like, you know all of these things it's just it's it's, it's a real worry it's a real of course you know, it gosh, is a financial burden like how right. do we deal with that how do right. we you know if, if we want to do things in a way that's honoring to the lord what if it costs three times the, the cost i know can we can we take that on right um and again this very lovely wise man you know he looked at my husband and said you have a godly woman who's your wife, you know, you have a wonderful godly wife who is, who is seeking to do things that are honoring to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So don't think that the Lord can't provide, mm-hmm. you know, it's very much like, listen to, if, if she says, this is what she really feels is strongly there from the Lord, you follow it and you'll see how the Lord will provide. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. Very good, good advice. Like right. not in like a, Oh, let's be stupid about like, no, just, no, that's no, not about it. But right if we feel strongly that something is correct and right from, from the Lord, we have to trust that he will follow through. Right. Right. And every turn of the way that was, that was the Lord coming through. Mm -hmm. And then with this surgery, that was way beyond our budget. Mm -hmm. You know, the Lord came through. Mm -hmm. It was, it was absolutely him. We didn't have any, any way of saying that, that it was in our doing. He kept moving us. Right. Um, and in, and in and that God gets the glory. I mean, because you, y'all had, you know, like you said, you sold your house and you had the money to possibly to take care of it. Um, but y'all could have gotten the glory in that, you know, like we're very wise and we're very financially prepared, but no, in this situation, God got full glory for that. And so praise the Lord. Now in, in the meantime, I know, um, I know we talked about this before we started recording, but so if I'm thinking right with my time frame, um, at church, you had gone forward. Am I thinking, right? This was before this surgery, right? This was like, uh, the week before, right? So this is, this is when I just, um, was so touched by Evangeline and her, do most people call him Joey or is that your wifely 
nickname. Uh, that's me. They're okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be calling him his pet name. <laughs> <laughs> but so Evangeline and I think Joe went up there with you, didn't he? Yes. So, and so they knew that they had the surgery coming. And so, um, I, I think you had probably talked to pastor Brooks ahead of time and let him know you wanted to come forward and, um, and then asked if the church would pray over her. And, um, I was just so touched by that because it's so easy, even as believers to go through things alone. And just to say, I need the Lord and I need this church body to come alongside us and, and to pray for us and support us. So I was just so thankful for your example in that moment of just that, just the visual demonstration that we need the church body and we need each other as, you know, community. Um, so thank you for your testimony. Um, and I think part of that goes back to Paula, what I said about, you know, growing up in England without our family near us mm-hmm. and really embracing the church as our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I became very used to um, sharing things with the church because that's what we do. We care for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was still very new to the fellowship here in, in, in Riverton, Utah, um, I wasn't new to the body of Christ. And I knew that, that wherever we go in the world, mm-hmm. we have family because we're united in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was, that was, you know, I, I shared that with Pastor Danny and he was just like, I'd love to be able to bring you up there. Cause it was like so many times when we go through these things, we want to, we do it in a very private way. We may tell right. just some people, but not right. everyone else. Right. Um, but a huge part of our whole story um, back in, you know, back from how we moved, everything like that was always about, how do we see the Lord working in this? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and we actually bring more glory to God if we let people in on the journey while we're going through this mm-hmm. rather than just at the end, mm-hmm. not just when everything is good, mm-hmm. in the middle, in the, in, the, in the grind, in the hard parts, can we show that we're still trusting in the Lord? Can we still show that we are, um, that we in the, in the face of, of really hard adversities or losses or pains um, that, that, we, that we have hope? that we have hope that he will still come through. And so it was, it was just a joy um, to be able to do that and share that with, with the, with, with the church family. And I, and I would encourage people that like, if you're new to an area and you feel alone mm-hmm. um, and you're going through hard things, it's the easiest thing is to just hide mm-hmm. and not tell people that you're going through it yes. or think that people won't understand. Yeah. Um, and I'd say it's okay that they don't understand, mm-hmm. but it's not okay for you not to live um, in a way that's known. Yeah. I think that's don't very good advice. Don't live in isolation. Right. Yes. Don't live, you know, and, and, and we were new to that congregation and actually sharing what we were going through has deepened mm-hmm. my relationship with so many people in the church, people mm-hmm. that I had never spoken to. Mm-hmm. I had finally then they, they, they had a reason to speak to me, mm-hmm. like sharing what we're going through gives people an in it's inviting them into our lives. Um, and I think that that's a really beautiful thing that the Lord um, has allowed us to do is to live in that, in that fellowship, in that Absolutely. community. And um, I think too, to remember that we all go through stuff. It's not all the same flavor, but we all have deep trials that we go through. And I think there's just such, um, uh, camaraderie for lack of a better word in remembering that, that we need each other. And, 
Um, and we can bolster each other's faith in saying, okay, I just went through this, but look at what God did through all of that, you know, and that can encourage the person who's in the middle of it to say, okay, okay, I can keep going. You know, I always think of, you know, Hebrews uh, 12 talks about the race that we're running. And I always love to think about people passing out the cups of water. And so we're, we're all at various journeys in our, our faith race, but we all need water. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so oh, we, gosh. we are, yeah, <laughs> she says, holding up her water. Um, we are all <laughs> each other's cup of water along the race of life, right? As we're pointing each other to Jesus. Well, so you've had the surgery. So what, where are we at now? Yeah. So we have the surgery. They're able to do the second surgery as, um, as, as I had wanted and, you know, wonderful, the, um, actually recovered incredibly well from those. Um, I think that being on that other medication that, that took away the symptoms of pain helped me prepare for surgery. Okay. Whereas prior to the, 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 the surgery I had gone into before, I was just so weak when I'd gone into it that I think just, I wasn't quite prepared to even tackle what was going on. So it felt like mm-hmm. I was training for the surgery. Like I was training for my half marathon yeah. and, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and so that was really like just seeing the Lord kind of bringing us through that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a few days, um, after surgery, I was up, walking around doing things. I mean, that night I came home, um, and actually just quickly before I go on past surgery, we got to St. Louis Paula, mm-hmm. and, um, we made the best friends at the hotel that we stayed in. Mm-hmm. There was a sweet, um, Jewish couple that had checked into the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they actually lived just around the corner. They were an older couple. They were redoing the tarmac, um, outside the front of their, of their home. So they couldn't stay there while it was getting done. Um, and so they just adopted Joe and I, um, oh as, as their children, they did our laundry for us while we were there. There was another, um, there was another sweet lady that, um, was checking out that morning that I had arrived and she drove me around to all of my appointments mm-hmm. and picked up my prescriptions for me. Another sweet Christian lady that was actually, a, um, she was uh, from England. She happened to be staying at the same hotel. She'd had hand surgery and said, well, you know, I've had hand surgery. I can't use my car. Gave her car keys to Joe. Here you are. Here's, here's something for you. To, and it was just one after the other, the Lord just wow. like miraculously coming through and being like, I, you know, doesn't matter where you are in the world, I can provide for you. And it was yes. just his, his sweet, mm-hmm. tangible, you know, presence there with us that even though we were even further away from even more of our family, right? we were just, and you know, we just, we just had had his love and his presence and he he provided for us um in little ways that we didn't even think we needed you know that sweet couple showed up with a huge care package for me and joe with things that they knew that we liked and it was just you know over and above the lord's abundance and so when we when we came back here we you know took time to well i took time to recover joe went back to work my parents flew out Mm -hmm. um and then I, I went to see my doctor on October 4th, I think it was, it was about a month after I'd had the second surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was when I was finally, um, off all of my, all of the medication that I had been on. Wow. Um, and, um, was off all of my, actually was off pain medicine. Right. Um, and I remember just kind of on this side of surgery, um, telling Joe, it kind of feels like an anticlimax. Like, no, <laughs> I've gone through this big thing and I was expecting something, you know, because we we're told about all the other complications that could go on. And, and, and given how my previous surgery had gone, I'd never really recovered. I wasn't expecting to, to feel well so soon Wow, um, that I was actually a little bit like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I bet you were. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't wanting to glorify God. I was just very much like, I'm just very like, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. But I, 
can't quite believe we're here just yet. Right. Kind of don't want to get your hopes up kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I saw my doctor and we looked at my inflammation levels and all the other things that were going on and they finally looked like they're moving towards a regular um, stage. And at that point he, you know, just very great care, um, very specific on, okay, let's look at these markers. Let's look at this. These are the supplements you should do. just very, very holistic and, 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 and the treatment, um, and, you know, just kind of had to just tell me it's okay. Like it's going to take a little while for your body to bring back your cycles for things to start mm-hmm. looking okay again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you may feel, you know, dizzy or you may feel very up and down in your moods as all of these other things that are going on your body as it's getting off all of these medications. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of don't worry about it was kind of what he told me. He was like, it's, it's, it, you should prepare that it's not just going to be smooth sailing going through right. you don't have to worry about it just just document what's going on and let me know whenever we meet again wow. so I saw him every two months for the last um since October I've been seeing that doctor every two months okay um and and that's kind of where we're at right now and finally my cycles did come back and mm-hmm. and actually prior to that I had to um I this was the other time that I needed to really make space for God mm-hmm. was in that realization that I hadn't had an unmedicated period since that, since that evening that I ended up in the ER and it was very, very traumatic and pretty excruciating. And, and, and I, um, and while, you know, my doctor had shown me all of the things that had gone on inside of me, they had pictures to say how thoroughly they had, you know, scraped out everything. Like, you know, they were like, no, we, we, everything that we could humanly do, we've done and you are well mm-hmm. was what they were telling me mm-hmm. but internally I was just remembering oh but when my periods come back and I don't have medicine mm-hmm. that's what could happen mm-hmm. and so I felt like I really needed to you know get back in my in, in that time with God and to be like Lord I just need to surrender this to you of like mm-hmm. even if that pain does come back I know that you are still in control mm-hmm. and I'm praying that it won't and I'm praying that I don't live in fear mm-hmm. of that returning mm-hmm. you know and so you know finally it did come back it took eight months to get my cycles back um they were kind of hit and miss and length and everything like that sure. but um but no pain mm. praise but the no lord pain. only god no only god mm-hmm. um but that, that, you know, that's been, that was almost a year since I met you, you know, like right, it's, right. it's taken a while. It's not, a, it's not a quick process. Right. Um, and I have to be okay with it not being a quick process. Right. Um, and, you know, and even now everyone's like, oh, so are you guys trying for kids? And I'm like, no, not yet. Because I haven't been, you know, like I'm still not fully there. Like we're still waiting for all the levels to come back. And mm-hmm. but I've seen that the Lord has come through so beautifully. So why can't I trust him for the next part? There you you go. know, I, I have no reason to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no reason to be anxious. Like in his timing, when we wanted to move one way, he changed it. I don't need to be afraid that oh gosh I'm now in my 30s what's going to happen next like right like hasn't the Lord been so evidently intrinsically and uniquely involved in our um in our story that he can he will bring glory in whatever way he brings glory to him and if that's another few years of going through a different challenge then then that's then that's his prerogative he's God he's, he can do that but I pray it won't be that you know I pray right. that we'll have kids soon but <laughs> but it's just that's how he strengthened us and what we've gotten to to the point of being able to re- really relax in in the journey that we're in because his plan has been so much better than we had we had ever anticipated it's not been a fun journey but I'm so grateful to have gone through it I'm so grateful to still be going through it well praise the Lord for you sister and uh, we'll be praying for your the next part of your journey, um, that the Lord will just 
raise up a little Joe and a little Evangeline. <laughs> so, well, love you and um, thank you for sharing your journey, okay? Thank you so much and um, God bless you guys and hopefully I'll see you soon. I know. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye-bye.